give you just a simple thought and uh, very, very simple and practical, I believe, from the life of Elisha. And we are in verse 42. These last three verses record yet another miracle in the life of and ministry of Elisha. And I want to look at this one uh, tonight. If it sounds a little familiar, if you're having some deja vu with this one, that's good. That's good. It ought to sound just a little on the familiar side, the nature of this miracle. And we'll talk about that. But I want to look at verse 42. The Bible says, And there came a man from Baal, Shalisha, and brought the man of God bread of the first fruits, 20 loaves of barley, and full ears of corn in the husk thereof. And he said, Give unto the people that they may eat. And his servitor said, What, should I set this before an hundred men? And he said again, Give the people that they may eat. For thus saith the Lord, They shall eat and shall leave thereof. So he set it before them, and they did eat and left thereof according to the word of the Lord. And I want to preach on this thought. I got a little title. It may not make sense at first, but uh, maybe, I, maybe it'll make a little sense as we come into focus here. But I just want to title the message tonight, There is a way. There is a way. Let's pray. Let's ask the Lord to speak to our hearts and bless the reading of His Word. Father, in Jesus' name, we come to You once again, not out of habit, not out of routine, but out of necessity. Lord, we're desperate for Your touch. And Lord, we know that preaching is only effective when it is uh, ha- when it has been touched by You and by Your Spirit and been made effectual by the Holy Spirit of God. So Father, I pray that You would use me as Your minister, Your mouthpiece tonight. Help me preach the unsearchable riches of Christ. Father, I pray if there's anybody here tonight that's lost, save them. If there's anybody here tonight that's backslid, Lord, I pray that You'd get a hold of their heart tonight. If there's anybody discouraged, God, encourage them. Lord, whatever they need, God, I know that You can administer it through Your Word. And so Father, help me to preach the Word of God tonight with power and unction and effectiveness. And we will give you the praise. We'll give you the honor. We'll give you all the glory. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right. Well, we've just read yet another miracle in the life of Elisha. And this is the second one in a row that has to do with food. And I like that because I like food. Somebody say amen right there. And uh, not that I like food, but that we all like food, all right? I'm not asking you to say, man, that I like food. That's obvious. Now, I don't like a lot of varieties of food, but I do like food that I like. I don't eat a lot, but what I do eat, I eat a lot of. And uh, this is another one that has to do with food. You remember the last miracle had to do with food? It was a couple weeks ago now when we looked at it. There was the big pot, and the guy went out, got some wild gourds off of a wild vine. He sliced them up, put them in the pot, death in the pot. Everybody's wondering, what in the world is going on? What are we going to eat? What are we going to do? They're in a famine. It's a time of dearth. Uh, Food is scarce, and it was a big deal. And what does Elisha do? He takes the meal, he puts it in the pot, and uh, and it's healed, and they're able to eat it and uh, be full and satisfied and nourished uh, from that meal. And then we have another miracle when it comes to food. This time, It is uh, a miracle of multiplication. 
It's where God takes, Elisha takes a little bit and God touches it and makes it sufficient to feed all the men that are there. Now, how many of you, you got some bells and whistles going off? Does this not make you think of another miracle? There's a miracle in the New Testament. It's the only miracle that is recorded in all four Gospels, and that is the feeding of the 5,000. Now, there's a feeding of the 4,000 as well. It's a miracle like unto it where Jesus takes uh, loaves and fishes with the 5,000 plus. That's beside women and children. He takes five loaves, he takes two fishes, and he feeds the multitude, and there are leftovers. Well, that's exactly what's going on here. Somebody, There's a generous donor. Somebody gives a donation. It doesn't seem like it's enough. Yet the man of God says, put it before the men anyway, and they do it. They obey God. They trust God. God meets the needs, and it says that they left thereof. That means they had leftovers. It means they had enough to spare. Isn't it amazing? The last miracle shows us that God can touch the quality of that food. This is God touching the quantity of that food. Isn't it amazing that there is no problem that God cannot solve? You're never going to come up with a a problem. You're never going to come up with a situation that God cannot address and cannot do something with. In one situation, He changed the contents of that. He changed what was on the inside. He changed that food from the inside out. And aren't you glad we have a God that works that way? If you've been saved, then you know what it is to have a miracle that changes you from the inside out. That's what happened when you got saved. He changed you from the inside out. Listen, don't matter your good works. It doesn't matter all the good stuff you put in. There was still bad on the inside. But only God can take a mess and make a miracle out of it. Only God can take what's dangerous and make it delightful. Only God can take what's poisonous and make it powerful. I'm here to tell you, friend, God is in the life-changing business. And you see that, that great pot. But here it's the quantity. It's not the quality of it. It's the quantity of it. And that is when God takes something that is insufficient and He makes it sufficient. By the way, I think these two miracles back to back are no mistake. I think they're a great picture of what God does in somebody's life. First, He changes them from the inside out. And then He takes their insufficiencies and He empowers them to be sufficient for the task. How many remember when you got saved? God changed you from the inside out. Amen. But then it wasn't long after you were saved. You got to looking around realizing, you know what? I'm not enough. I can't live this Christian life. I can't be the Christian I'm supposed to be. I can't be the mama I'm supposed to be. I can't be the daddy I'm supposed to be. I can't be the husband I'm supposed to be. I just can't do it. I can't do it. It's not enough. It's not enough. Well, I'm here to tell you, when you got saved, that wasn't the last time God was working in your life. He keeps on working. He changes you from the inside out. And then He'll touch you and make you sufficient for whatever the situation calls for. That's His grace. Oh, man, isn't that good? Quantity, quality, quantity. Man, God working in our lives, He'll change you from the inside out. And then in your Christian life, He'll make you sufficient to meet the needs. What a great picture of the Christian life. And obviously, this miracle here reminds us of another miracle. It points us to Jesus. It actually points us to one that is greater than Elisha. If you were to compare Elisha's miracle with Jesus' miracles of multiplication, you'll find out that Jesus' miracles is much more impressive. His miracles are much more impressive 
impressive. They are much more astounding. You know why? It's because Jesus is better than Elisha. That's why. It's because Jesus is better than anything in the whole wide world. When He does something, He does it at the very top. You say, how was Jesus' miracle better than Elisha's miracle? Well, Jesus fed a larger crowd than Elisha did. Elisha has a hun- uh, 100 hungry prophets. Now, although preachers can eat a lot and a hundred, that's a lot. No doubt about it. It ain't 5,000 plus. That's no way, no way in the world you could even compare these miracles without realizing that Jesus' miracle was greater. And not only that, but Elisha had 20 loaves of barley and he had these husks of corn. But what did Jesus have? He only had five loaves. Isn't that right? And two fishes. Elisha had a smaller crowd and more fruit and more food. Jesus had a bigger crowd and less food. Isn't that something? What does that tell us? That tells us Jesus is amazing. Isn't that right? And when Jesus did His miracle, He served a better meal. Elisha just served bread and corn. That's nasty. But Jesus served, He had some bread and meat. How about that? Of course, I don't like fish either, but it's a better meal. You get a little meat in the meal. You know why? Because Jesus is better. He's greater. That's why. And then when Elisha did his miracle, guess what? It wasn't his own power that did it. He had to rely on God. He, had, he needed God to do it. But when Jesus did it, he is God. He did it himself. Jesus did it of his own power. He did it of his own authority. He created something out of nothing and he did it by himself just like he did in the beginning of time when he stepped out on nothing and made everything and he upholds everything by the word of his power. I'm here to tell you, friend, Jesus is greater. And you say, well, this miracle is, a, is just a force. It's just a foreshadow of when God would walk among men. It was so the Jews would know and the Pharisees would know this is something God does. Multiplying food, this is what God does. And they were supposed to come to the conclusion, this must be God. And by the way, they did, and that's why they crucified Him. (laughs) Instead of accepting Him, it was easier just to try to kill Him. The Pharisees knew exactly what Jesus' miracle meant. He was God. He was greater than Elisha. You say, well, Elisha's miracle is just, it's just, I guess it's just here to make Jesus look good. Man, that's, what about that? Well, I say that's not a bad ministry. It sounds like a great ministry to me. God uses Elisha's miracle to make Jesus look good thousands of years later. I tell you what, uh, that's not, that sounds like a ministry that I want to have. I want a ministry that makes Jesus look great. Amen. I want a ministry that makes Chris Simpson look real small and Jesus look really big. Amen. That's what Elisha's got going on here. And so this miracle in Elisha's ministry is just another reminder that God can do anything with anything. It doesn't matter what you have. It doesn't matter what you give him. You give him what you got, he'll take it, and he'll make it what you need. And that is the kind of God that we have. He can do absolutely anything with anything. Don't ever forget that. That is the power of our God. He is a God that can take your little and make a lot out of it. Aren't you glad? Aren't you, man, don't you like that old song that says, Little is much when God is in it. And that is the truth. Don't you ever forget that. He can make a way. We have a way-making God. When it seems like, how are we going to feed these boys? And then uh, all this, uh, all the, the, the food comes in, but it's not near enough to sit down on the table in front of all these grown men that, that, that need to eat a hundred grown men. And they, 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 no doubt they're hungry. It's in a famine and they're ready to eat. There's no way. There's no way. Even the servitor says it. The, the, the servant, he says, man, I can't set this out here. What a joke. They're going to laugh. It'll be gone in moments. But what they don't factor in is that God, when God gets involved, He makes it sufficient to meet the need. He always makes a way even when it seems impossible. There's absolutely nothing beyond His power. And I want to show you a couple of things in this text. that I'll just give it to you, kind of how the Lord gave it to me. 
and, uh, and help me with it here, about there's, there's always a way. There's a way. There is a way. There is a way. Number one, I want you to write this down, jot this down, think about this with me tonight. Number one, where there is a will, there's a way. Now, I didn't come up with that uh, slogan, but I would have if I'd have thought of it first. But isn't that true? Where there's a will, there's a way. Where there's a will, there's a way. I want you to think about that with me first before we move on. But I want to say this, that God uses people to meet the needs of people. Do you know that? We're the hands, we're the feet, we're His eyes. We're, we, we, are, we are the hands and feet of our Savior. God uses people to meet the needs of His people. We've already seen this truth unfold in this chapter. God used uh, this woman uh, to, uh, uh, the, the, the woman here in, uh, in Shunem to, uh, to, to provide for Elisha, provided him a meal, and then provided him a place to stay, and then took care of him and sustained him. God used a person to provide for his servant. God uses people to provide for other people. God use, God has people that he blesses with resources and then he moves upon their heart to share those resources with other people, to share those resources with those that are ministering, with those that are, that are doing his work. Now we don't know much about this man here. The Bible just says in verse 42 that there came a man. He's the man that God is going to use. He's the man that God is going to use to provide for his servants there in Gilgal. And we don't know much about him. All we know is that he's a man and he's from Baal Shalisha. And there's, you look up commentaries on where that is. Everybody's got a different opinion, but it's not super close by to Gilgal. He had to travel at least, uh, at least a, a, a couple miles to get there. And uh, he brings this food, these resources, what God has blessed him with, and he brings them to Elisha, the man of God. We don't know much about him, but this is clear that he and his service here in this text stands as a testimony to the fact that, listen, if you want to serve God, you will find a way to serve God. Where there is a will, there is a way. I'm here to tell you, if you're not serving God, if you're not living for God, I'm here to tell you, it's just this simple, because you don't want to. You do what you want to do. People do what they want to do. Where there's a will, there is a way. If you want to serve God, you will find a way to serve God. I thought about everything that this man had to overcome to get these resources to the man of God. I thought about, first of all, there's a famine in the land. You understand food is at a scarcity. Uh, food is uh, not plentiful uh, everywhere that you go. But somehow, some way, God has given him a blessing. God has touched his fields. and God has given him uh, fruit for his labor. And he has been blessed. And you know what? It would be so tempting if I was this man. I'm just going to speak for myself. I don't know about you. But if I was this man, I would be so tempted to take what I had to think. You know what? We're in a famine. You know what? Food is not very uh, plentiful right now. I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to take all my grain. I'm going to put it in the barn. And I'm just going to hold it because you never know what tomorrow would bring. In fact, some people might even pat him on the back and say, you know what, man from Baal Shalisha, that's not a bad idea because uh, you know, we don't, in this economy who knows what it's going to do. You better put it back. You better put your nest egg back. You know, you better have some, uh, you know, to feed your family. That's a good thing, you know, and you better and you better put it back. But here's the thing. At some point, God had touched his heart about what he should do with that, with that 
food. And though he would have been in the eyes of many justified for holding on to that and saving and putting back what God had blessed him with, he overcame that fear and he acted in faith and he said, I'm going to take what God has blessed. I know God's not blessing everybody these days. and Not everybody has food. Not everybody has what they need. I'm going to take what God has given me and I'm going to be a blessing to somebody. He overcame his own flesh, didn't he? He had to have to give that offering. Not only did he overcome his flesh and the famine, the fear that would come from all those things, but he, come over, he overcame the, the, the size of his offering. The size of his offering. It's just a small amount. You know, he could have told himself, you know, uh, you know there's, I've been down there to that little seminary in Gilgal. They got at least 100 guys down there. These 20, these 20 loaves of bread, these corn husks, that's not enough to feed them. It, wouldn't, it, wouldn't, it would not even be enough to feed them. If I were to take it down there, it wouldn't even be enough. I might as well just hold it. I might as well just keep it here. And, uh, you know, because it's not enough. It's just, it's just definitely not enough. He could have thought that his offering would not have made a difference. It's not going to make a difference in the grand scheme of things. You know, we're still in a famine no matter what. It'd probably do more. It'd probably serve more here at my home, with my family, with me. And, uh, you know, it's just not going to be enough. But he overcame the fear of insufficiency that what he had would not be enough and he gave it to God anyway and then what's amazing about this man's offering is that not only did he overcome those things but he overcame the apostasy that was in his land. You understand that when it talks about bringing the first fruits as an offering, you understand that he is biblically and scripturally this man is taking his offering to the wrong place it's not where it's supposed to go it's not supposed to go to the prophets Let's go to the priests. According to Leviticus and Deuteronomy, you are to take the first fruits. That's the wording used in our text. You are to take those first fruits and they are to go to the priest. You are to give those offerings to God. It's a, it's a meal offering is what it is. You bake those loaves of bread and you take it to the temple. You take it and you give it to the priest and, and de facto you are giving those things to God. But if you know anything about the day and hour in which we live, Baal worship has taken over. Idolatry, apostasy, wickedness. In fact, if you are in the northern kingdom, which is where they are in Israel. There's not even a good place to worship. You remember Jeroboam, he made his own little religion and had his own little gods. In fact, the town that he lives in, that he's from, it used to be just called Shalisha. But now it's called Baal Shalisha. Do you know who Baal is? That's a false god. Idolatry is everywhere. Apostasy is everywhere. And he should have, he could have, uh, or he was scripturally supposed to take that offering and take it to the temple. But you know what? He got to look and he's a man that loves God, no doubt. He fears God. He, he reveres the true and the living God. And he thought, I ain't taking what I got and giving it to them. By the way, that's a good thing. That ain't a bad thing. That's a good thing. But I don't know about you, but I, I think what I... Maybe what I would have been tempted to do is say, well, you know what? They don't deserve it down there at the temple. They don't deserve it down there at the house of God. You know, they're, they're just apostates. They're idolaters. And, and what they're doing is wrong and wicked. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to take what I have and I'm going to keep it. And no doubt many people were, felt justified in doing that. But you know what this man did? He went out of his way. He, he went a little extra 
He, 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 he could have sat home and sat on the letter of the law and said, you know what, I'm not going to take that because they're not worthy of it. And he would, have, he would have been right. He would have been justified. But the truth is that there was a man that represented the true and living God. There was a group of people that were trying to love God and serve God and, and live for God. And you know what that man said? That man said, you know what, I want to serve. There's something in my heart. I want to serve God. I want to give this to God. I know He deserves it. And so you know what he did? He found a way to get his offering to God even when he had a million excuses not to take it. You know why that is? It's because where there is a will, there is a way. And I'm here to tell you, if you want to come up with excuses why you can't and why you won't, listen, you can have them I mean, out your ears. There are excuses to be had, but when somebody really wants to serve God, when they really want to give to God, when they really want to love God, and when they really want to live for God, I tell you what, they will find a way to do it. Love always finds a way. Where there's a will, there's a way. You can do it if you want to. And I'm going to tell you something. The devil and your flesh and this world will give you a zillion excuses why you can't live for God. But I'm here to tell you, if you want to, you will. If you want to, you'll find a way to do it. Listen, if you want to serve God, you'll find it. You say, well, my parents or my children or my job or my, 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 my finance. What? And that's fine. You can come up with a million excuses if you want to, but it comes down to this. If you want to serve God, you will find a way. People find a way to do whatever they want to do. You know that's true. When you, when you got like a, you know, there's a, there's a hunting rifle and you really want, you'll find a way to get it. Come on now. I'm not against hunting. I mean, I'm against me hunting, but I'm not against hunting. I, <laughs> there's a fishing rod you want. You'll find a way to get it. If there's some, you know, whatever, whatever women buy, I don't know, some deal down at the shop, shopping mall or whatever, you'll find it. Where there's a will, there's a way. It's amazing how my kids will want something so bad, somehow they end up with it. I don't even know how it happens. They don't have no money. They don't have anything. But, man, they want something, and they talk about it enough. Somehow it, it pops out somewhere, a grandparent or uh, Heather behind my back or something. I don't know. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I, with, when there's a will, there's a way. Amen. When you love God and you want to serve God and you want to give to God, you know what this man did? He found a way to do it. He found a way to do it. You know what the proverb said about the, about the slothful man? I love this proverb. Proverbs 22. The slothful man said, There's a lion without. <laughs> I shall be slain in the streets. I love that proverb. <laughs> now listen, nobody in their right mind wants to go outside when there's a lion in the streets. But I think by telling us it's the slothful man. When a slothful man, when a lazy man says that, there's a lion. What he means is there is a lion in this country somewhere. <laughs> and if I go outside, it could, possibly, maybe, probably will, but maybe, maybe not. I could get killed if I go out there. Yeah, or you could make a dollar. You never know. You could just be fine. When you don't want to get up and do anything, you can come up with anything you want to do. I think another proverb just kind of, I wish I'd have looked it up before. It says, uh, is it... Uh, a fool or a sluggard or somebody that anyway wiser is he's wiser in his own conceit than than ten men that can render a reason. <laughs> I love it. That you you can, you could get the ten wisest people you know, but if somebody doesn't want to do things, you could never you'll never talk them into it. And I, man, I've I've <laughs> I've talked to people before trying to convince them to you know you know 
do right, live for God. Whatever. They'll, they'll give you a zillion, trillion excuses why they can't. What it comes down to, it's not, listen, it wasn't an economy problem. It wasn't a, a, a apostasy problem. It wasn't a famine. All these things, you know what it was? It was a heart thing with this man. The reason he was able to find a way to get this food to the people of God is because he wanted to. And he overcame all kind of obstacles and all kind of excuses to get it to the man of God. Where there's a will, there's a way. Number two, where there's a work, there's a way. Where there's a work, there's a way. See, we see a great principle in this text concerning the work of God, and that is this. If God leads you to it, I like this, he's going to see you through it. And if the grace of God, listen, somebody said that the, that, the, that, the, uh, that, uh, that the will of God will never lead you where the grace of God will not keep you. What I mean by that is all this, is that when God has, where God has commissioned and called someone to a work, He will meet their needs. When God calls you to do something and you step out by faith and you serve God and you step, I'm telling you what, you have put God on notice. He will take care of His servants. And I tell you what we find in this text, we find God miraculously miraculously providing for His men. God miraculously providing for the ministry. God miraculously providing for these people. A great example is given in this text. God touches the heart of a man to bring food to those that are in the work of God. And I'm here to tell you, the devil, he'll lie to you. Your flesh will lie to you. Man, if I surrender to God, if I sell out to God, I'm going to starve. I'm going to do without. I'm here to tell you the safest, most secure place you could ever be in your life is right smack dab in the middle of the will of God. God, if you involve yourself in His business, God will involve His self in your business. God takes care of His business. And it wasn't a big donation. It wasn't somebody that came. It wasn't a millionaire that came by with a big check. It was a small man that came by with a couple small grocery bags but God can take those little things and He can turn them into big things and I'm here to tell you I would love for somebody to walk in here and write a big check and just pay everything off around here. Wouldn't that be a blessing? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. That'd be great. But you know what? That's not normally the way God does things. God just uses average people average things and he takes them and he multiplies them and he, and he uses them for now I'm here to tell you God will take care of his work where there is the work of God a true work of God there will always be a way God, God will miraculously provide for that place to continue and God takes those things he blesses them he multiplies those gifts and he uses them for his glory it's amazing how God many times he'll use the avenues that nobody would think of. He uses uh, the, 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 the means that, that would never even cross our mind. He used ravens to come and bring food to Elijah. Who, who, who would have thought of that? Nobody. That's why the Bible is not a book that man would write if he could, and it's not a book man could write if he would. <laughs> I'm here to tell you, that's amazing. Who would have thought of using ravens, animals, birds that, that feast on carcasses of of, of, of dead animals. Who would think that they would share? Have you ever seen them birds? Have you ever seen buzzards fight? Man, they fight. No, they don't share, especially with preachers. Buzzards hate preachers. In fact, I've found anybody that hates me as a buzzard. I found that to be true. I'm going to tell you something. God uses the unlikeliest. He used ravens. He used a fish to pay taxes with. I mean, how about that? Who would have... Who would have thought of that? 
<laughs> yeah, catch a fish. <laughs> That's hard, number one. It's hard to catch a fish. That's why I don't like fishing. When I put my hook in the water, all the fish go to another pond. They get up and they move. They go somewhere else. That's why I don't put hooks in the water. Who would have ever thought of that? But God said, yeah, just catch a fish, open its mouth, bada bing, bada boom, there it is. <laughs> what in the world God uses unlikely means? He sent Elijah to a widow. Who would think a widow is going to sustain anybody? She couldn't even sustain herself. God used her. I'm here to tell you, little as much when God, God will take care of his work. He'll take care of his people. I love that song. I used to have a, a lady in our, my home church that I grew up in, Miss Joanne. She used to always sing that song, Be Not Dismayed, Whatever Be Tied. God will take care of you. Beneath, I think it's the next verse, Beneath His Wings of Love Abide. God will take care of you. God will take care of you every day or all the way. He will take care of you. I'm here to tell you, that sounds cliche, but man, that is something that I have held on to when I didn't know what was going to happen and I didn't know where this was going to come from or how that was going to go through. And I'm here to tell you that it is absolutely true. God will take care of you. God will rain food out of heaven if he has to to take care of his people. Isn't that right? Krispy Kreme donuts falling down from the sky. God does it. God does it. Brother Randy always says, he said, there's one, there's one biscuit left in the county. He said, me and my family, we're going to be nibbling on one end of it. Amen. I said, amen. As long as it don't have anything uh, in it I don't like. God can do anything. You're not going to step out and serve God and Him leave you hanging. He's going to take care of you. He'll meet your needs when you're in His service. Where there's a will, there's a way. Where there's a work, there's a way. And then last one, I'm done. Where there's a word, there's a way. You see what Elisha tells his servant, verse 42, given to the people that they may eat. And verse 43, this is so reminiscent of Jesus' miracle, isn't it? The servitor said, what should I set this before a hundred men? You remember what the disciples said to Jesus? They said, what, what is this among so many? Yeah, I mean, people, five loaves and two fishes are, I mean, are you crazy? I mean, that doesn't even make sense. But verse 43 in our text, Elisha, he said again, give the people that they may eat. But this time, what does he add to it? For thus saith the Lord. Okay, hold on. Underline that little phrase right there. Thus saith the Lord. That's when business picks up right there. That's, that's, a, that's the difference between man's word and God's word. Now, man says, hey, give the people and let's see. That's opt, being optimistic. Okay? That's saying, well, maybe it'll work out. But when God gets involved, that's not optimism. That's faith. That is putting your faith in what God... See, what we did not know up until this point we presumed it, at least I did, but now we know it for sure. It comes out of the mouth of Elisha that Elisha is telling his servant to put this food out and he's doing it in the perfect will of God. He has received a word from God. And that word from God told him that 
the food will be sufficient and then there will be leftovers afterward. They shall eat. Here's what God said to Elisha, verse 43 at the end. They shall eat and shall leave thereof. They're going to be so full that they're going to leave food sitting on the table. It's going to be there. And listen, God is going to do the work. And I'm telling you something, when Elisha gave him that command, he was doing so on the Word of God. And when that servant acted, finally he was doing so on the Word of God. And it is simply in verse 44, so he said it before them and they did eat and left thereof. Look what it says. According to the Word of the Lord. It was the Word of God. And I'm here to tell Listen, where there's a will, there's a way. Where there's a work, there's always a way. God will make a way. And when there is His work, when you have God's Word on it, I don't care what it looks like, there's always a way. When God said it, mark it down. Take it to the bank. I don't care how you say, man, this is crazy. This doesn't even make sense. Can I tell you, a lot of times what the Bible tells us to do, it is crazy. And it don't make sense. But if He said it, it... If he said it, if his word declared it, then you can step out on faith and you can believe it. And it doesn't matter how crazy it may seem. It doesn't matter what other people think. When you have God's word on an issue, you can trust it and you can act on it. And listen, God will not leave you hanging. He's not going to leave you embarrassed. There's going to be nobody, there will be nobody ever that takes God at His word, acts upon the word of God, and then later is embarrassed that they did so. In fact, can I be honest with you? Most of the embarrassments I have in my life, it's not because I acted on the word of God. It's because I didn't. It's because I didn't trust God. I didn't believe God. I, didn't, I, I knew what He said and I knew what His word said, but I didn't really believe that God would actually do it for me. And I left embarrassed and I thought, you know what? Man, I should have just trusted God. I should have just listened to His Word. I should have just done what He said. I should have known that where I got a word, there's always a way. Like when the children of Israel left Egypt, He gave them a word, told them where to go. But man, it looked like their way was all hemmed up, didn't it? It looked like their way was all closed up. But I'm here to tell you, when God gives a word, He makes a way. Here comes them waters, the Red Sea Waters rolled back and they walked across on dry land. I mean, you, ten minutes before that happened, you would be foolish for thinking something like that would happen. But ten minutes after you got on the other side, you'd have, you'd have been crazy not to think that God would have made a way. I mean, it's just He always comes through. He always comes through. When you have God's Word, you have a way. There's a way. There's a way. Sometimes we think we need more money, we need more stuff, we need more things. I'll tell you what we need, we need more faith is what we need. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him. How I proved Him o'er and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus. And here's a prayer. Oh, for grace. Oh, for grace. That's the plea. Oh, for grace. To what? To trust Him more. That's what I need right there. I need grace to trust Him more. How's your heart? Do you have a love for God that finds a way? If you're always finding excuses and you're not finding a way, that's a heart problem. That's a heart problem. I know sometimes, I mean, listen, there's, there's things that come up in life. Sometimes your ox is in the ditch. and there's just, you just, It's just what it is. 
can't make it to church or you can't do this or, what, or you're hindered, providentially hindered. I know sometimes, sometimes there are legitimate things that come up, your health and whatever it may be. There are legitimate things that come up. But can I tell you something? If, 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 if your ox just lives in the ditch and you, you know, pet it down there and you made a little playpen in the ditch for it, you know, and you feed it in the ditch and you're not trying to get it out. I'm here today, listen, that's, that, that, that's, not, that's not legitimate. That's just finding reasons why you, why you can't. Listen, love for God finds a way. It finds a way. Where there's a will, there's a way. Where there's his work, there's a way. Where there's his word, there's always a way. There's always a way. There's a way. Let's stand together. Miss Maddie, you can come around.